Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have part two of our two-part series talking all about the difference between joint ventures and mergers and acquisitions in growing a business. And in order to talk about this, we have on board the fabulous Ed Chan from Chan and Naylor, who has also now co-founded the accounting consultancy Wise Mentoring Uh, for accountants, but also potentially relevant to um, businesses outside of accounting practices. Now, if you haven't heard part one, I strongly, strongly recommend you go back and have a listen to that because that really paves the way for the discussion today in part two, which is a follow-on in looking at the difference between mergers and acquisitions and joint ventures. So in this two-part series, we're really diving deep into the opportunity in joint ventures, which is a slightly different proposition to the usual course of events that we think about in terms of mergers and acquisitions. And so in this discussion, we're really digging deep into the model that Chan and Naylor had used over the past many decades to grow their accounting practice. And we're taking some of those elements and looking deeply at how you can apply them in your business. So we look at the difference between mergers and acquisitions and joint ventures. We looked at why corporate models are better than partnership models, and we dug into what that actually even means. We looked at some of the tips and tricks if you are looking at undergoing joint venture relationships. So being clear about who's responsible, looking at the different variations, of joint ventures and how you can set yourself up for success. Today, we're looking a lot further at how to avoid problems in consolidation, how to make sure you're bringing value to the relationship and how a joint venture model is different to a franchise model. Ultimately, we're looking at how you can use these strategies to create a business that can work without you. So as I said, if you haven't heard part one, I highly recommend you start off by going back and listening to that. That was the last episode to release just before this episode. But if you have, then sit back, relax, and let's get stuck into part two of our discussion with Ed Chan, all about joint ventures. And so now, you know, taking you into what you do today, and I love that, what a great idea, spending, you you know, 12 months together. And actually, there's an element of this that sounds a little bit similar to something that I think you had talked about in a previous episode where we were talking about acquisitions, where you'd said that you keep everything the same for a year. So I recall you saying that. So this 12-month period of time is obviously, <laughs> you know, something that, that you have in your mind is that period of time that's important to have enough time with a business to know how the business is running before you make changes or in this instance to get to know someone enough before you enter into a business relationship together. And I guess because the pain of tearing these things apart when they don't work out you, you know, it can be, you can take, it can take your eye off the ball. It can take time, money and attention. 
can't it? So I guess you're saying, well, here's the ways to avoid that element of pain. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of damage to both firms. It's a damage to the firm that's coming in, and mm-hmm. there's also damage to our firm. Now, look, I'm interested in the long term relationship, and it's got to be a win for both parties. And if it's not going to be a win, then it's best not to do it. And yeah, I'm not an an opportunist or anything like that and not trying to take advantage of anybody. It's got to be a fed income and a, a uh, legitimate uh, value for mm. both parties. And uh, and if it's got to be a long term, and I'm in it for the long term, and if it is a long term um, you know, scenario that, that, I, that I'm interested in, I'm certainly the one that's interested in the long term relationship, then um, I, I, I wouldn't like to go into something for the short term Mm. And have to unravel it later on, um, so yeah. it's go slow, and you know, a, a year of engagement before you get married, I suppose. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's a good way to refer to it. I like it. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. And so, and and one more question, just along that line, in terms of how how you're doing things today, um, do you do you adopt the the philosophy of these days buying into practices as well, or is it is it still that concept of the um, the value that you're bringing is a bit like the sweat equity side of things? You know, is is it a phase that you have? started with and then moved away from or is it something that's a good long-term strategy i guess is what's underlying my question uh that that's a really good question um joanna because if you look back at the history there's there's a huge amount of damage uh when the consolidators came through Mm. Um, and they started consolidating and 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 i won't mention all the names because Mm. there's you know there's a lot of failures and they all failed um Mm. And Crow Hallworth is the only one that's left, and 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 you know I'm not sure, you know that that they're going that well. But um, I think they 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 all face the same problem. When you buy a firm, uh, at the end of the day, the relationship is between the practitioner and the client, mm. and that's quite unique in in the sense that. They're not just clients are not just coming to a shop to buy a product, and uh, they're buying that relationship with that practitioner, whether it's a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. Yeah, a dentist or mm. yes, and in particular with an accountant, they, you know, it, it's all to do with your finances and it's quite private and and so forth. So the the, the accountants in particular have a very personal relationship with a with a client because mm. you know. You get to know all their personal affairs and, you know, they're, they're sharing all that with you and, and they rely on you quite a lot. And uh, so it is a relationship and, and for an investor to try and invest in that relationship, you know, it's quite risky. And, um, you know, if, if don't listen to me, but just look at history and look at what's yeah. actually happened. And there's many of them have failed and many of them have lost money and and uh, and it's just not worked. And mm. so you might. Often people say to me, oh, you know, Chan and are still around and you're still going well and, you know, what's the difference? And I, I think the the main difference for us is that we don't interfere in, in the way they run the business and we bring particular value to the to the relationship, whereas a lot of consolidators were, they weren't bringing any value to the office. It was, you know, it was the, the value was for them on their, on their IPO when they 
Yeah, and that's what it was, and that's what it was all about, right? That that's what drives a, a lot of the aggregation models, I, I guess, as a whole, right? Because that's, that's right. yeah, that's- yeah. Okay, all right. Well, um, so what would you say your top tips are um, on the? And and I guess we can hear perhaps your feeling about the difference between mergers and joint ventures, given you ended up really going for the JV model. <laughs> So I guess I, I'm guessing here. <laughs> yeah. um, in particular, I, I guess I'd better just explain the difference perhaps between our, our JV model and perhaps a franchise model. Yeah. Because it looks very similar. Mm. Yeah, with a franchisor and a franchisee, the, the franchisor earns his or her income from the royalties that the franchisee pays to the franchisor. Mm. And the franchisor has no interest in the the business of the franchisee other than the royalties that they get. So so they don't have a, a sharing in the profits of the business, of the franchisee's business. So so therefore the, the, the franchisor, because he, he or she makes their money from the royalties that's calculated on the turnover, the more franchisees they put on, the more money they make. And often you get franchisees that don't make any profits and they just exist. And uh, and the franchise all continues on putting on more and more and more franchisees because their purpose is not aligned. Mm. With us, we don't earn our money from royalties or uh, anything like that. Our revenue or our earnings come from the profits of the offices. So we take a equity interest in them. And then, therefore, we share in the profits based on our percentages. So I've aligned the interests of the fra- of our officers to my interests, which is the bottom line. So if they're profitable, then I'm I'm profitable. Yeah. If they're not profitable, then I'm not profitable. So you know we're both working towards ensuring that our joint venture partners are profitable. Mm. Whereas that's different from the franchisee franchisor model. So that's why you know we don't have hundreds and hundreds of um, chain and our offices around mm. was um, there's no point in having a lot of offices. Um, I'd rather deal with one office that's 10 times the size of 10 small ones. If you yeah, like. yeah, 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 absolutely. And yeah. can you maybe give a just a short comment on how this has allowed you to, I, I guess, live or have a different lifestyle to many business owners because I, I talk to many people who have grown really big businesses, but they quite often then are trapped by the business itself. In that you you know uh, perhaps doing very well because of the business and have a lot of value in the equity in the business, but um, are still chained to the roles and and just end up with bigger and bigger responsibilities <laughs> on a daily basis. But you have always seemed to me to have um, had a, a bit of a different approach. And when I say this, I, I say the, the first time, you know, I recall we met at one point when both of our officers were speaking at a seminar and we met at the seminar and I said, oh, gosh, I contacted you afterwards and said, look, I'd love to have a quick 10-minute coffee. So I came out and we had a four-and-a-half-hour lunch, I think, while you <laughs> downloaded it. <laughs> but that's in my, you know, in, in, in my world it is very hard to find people where even if they planned a four-hour lunch well in advance, they could. But this was just a random, 
you, you know, occurrence and we got talking and four hours later we were still talking about business. Now, that's generally not the mark of someone that has a large business behind them. Do you, do you know what I mean? So I just, I just yeah. want to dig into this a little bit because I think this is, I, I think this is really special uh, and I think it's a really important distinction and and, and uh, important approach that um, I found really useful to hear uh, from you. So I'd just love if you could share a little bit of that. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's a, that's a problem with small business as well as large business. And uh, because often, you know, you could be a, a one-man band and being very small, but you're, you're a prisoner to your business. Yeah. You change your business. And then you could be very large and still be chained to your business. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, the the fundamental difference, I guess, is for me. I've always wanted the business to work without me, not because of me. Mm. And in order to have it work without me, then you have to have things set up in such a way that it's not dependent on me, but it had to get done if if I wasn't here. Mm. So I, I, you know, every step of the of the way, every step of the the journey of uh, building this business, I've always said, you know, how do we get that done when I'm not here? And, you know, if you have that mindset, then you always make sure that, you know, you've hired the right people, you've got the right systems in place, you've trained them the right way. And, and in the event that they leave, you've got plan B. Mm. So I've always thought that way. And, um, and because of that, I guess that, you know, I, I, I've been able to build this business that works without me and not, not because of me. Mm. Um, I think it starts with the way that you think about your business and then whether that's small or large um, because, you know, if, if you firstly, if you don't think like that, then you can't scale it, you can't leverage it, you can't grow it. That's the first thing. And then, of course, um, if you do think that way and then you do grow it, then it's just a natural extension uh, moving forward. So I've, I've been able to create, you know, four businesses now that all works without me. Mm. And it all just generates a passive income. And, and it's only because, you know, I, I thought that way from the very first, from the very beginning. And, mm. and, and that's, the, that's the only reason. And sure, but it's not, you know, I, I mean, many of us have read The E-Myth and that was a um, cornerstone book for me when I read it. It was one of those books where I just went, wow, yeah, I get it. That's amazing. But you've you've so lived it and so applied it. And I guess, you, you know, I think that's part of the, that's the sparkle as well. It, it's not just the concept. It, it must have been execution every day, constant application, implementation, you know, of all of these concepts that got you to that position. Is that right? Absolutely. You've, you've got to implement. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, accounting firms often say to me, I've been following your career. They were talking about Chan and Ayla, I think. And, uh, you know, we're about the same size. And, you know, 20 years later, you're doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and uh, you're uh, 30 times the size that I am. And, and I think the only difference was you, you implemented and I didn't. <laughs> but, but the key is it's not just about the size. I guess that's what, what we're saying here, Ed, as well, because you got, you got the size but we're, without getting the ball and chain that quite often comes with the size. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, but, but I think it's, 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 to be honest, it's easier to be less ball and chain when you get bigger. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, when you're smaller and you don't reach that critical mass, it's more of a ball and chain situation. But as you get bigger, as I said, in the accounting firm, you've got to get to, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand and it gets easier. And then when you get to a million, it gets e easier still. But then it flips the other way uh, where then it gets really hard because if you don't change how you're doing things, then most accountancy firms hemorrhage at about a million Mm. to 2 million per, mm. per per partner. So they hemorrhage at that. In in fact, most firms, 98% of firms uh, are at, uh, at about a million dollars per partner. So if it's a $2 million practice, it's two partners. If it's a $4 million practice, it's four partners. And if there's a $10 million practice, it's, it's nine or 10 partners. And, um, and unless you change what you do and you change it to the way that we do it, um, and which is all, sort of captured in wise mentoring. So um, then we can, if you use the wise mentoring way, which is everything that Chan and I has done has been captured in wise mentoring, uh, then you can go to about 5 million per partner. Mm. So that, that shows you the strength of the system because it's a system that's carrying the business and not the individual that's carrying the business. Mm. And, and often when you get to a million per partner, um, you know, if you pull that partner out of there, the whole thing will collapse. Mm. Whereas for us, you know, not only can we go beyond a million per partner, we can get to five million per partner, but if I pull that partner out of there, the business won't collapse. It will continue to run because it's on the strength of the system, not on the back of an individual. Mm. Systems carry the business. Which is such an important distinction, you know, because as I say, you know, we, we see many businesses that are 10, 20, 30 million dollars making thin profit margins and running, you know, as fast as they possibly can, but with, you, you know, um, lots of uh, lots of problems on their back so I guess he he's he's another way of um, of envisioning it and putting it together um so one uh, I have I had a question as you were talking that popped into my head I I, I wondered where did you get the idea for this approach to growth because I, I think this JV model that you're talking about is actually a bit unique. You know, I, I haven't seen this model in many other places um, and lots of people adopt lots of different models of this growth through, you know, acquisition, merger, what, whatever, joint venture, but your model is um, really is a, a little bit different to uh, the average bear I've seen. So where did you get the idea? Well, I guess it fundamentally it's, it's, it's based on um, what I said earlier that, uh, at the end of the day, the, the relationship is between the practitioner and the client. And I think that's where most of the, the past consolidators have miscalculated. Mm. They thought it was a business they could buy. They didn't realise that it was a relationship between the practitioner and the, and, the, and the client. And often in those consolidation models, when the practitioner sold out, um, they went down and set, set up a new office down the road and all the clients went and, and went with them and uh, and the consolidators lost out big time uh, because they didn't understand that there is this really unique special relationship and I, I guess because I'm a, I'm a practitioner I, I, I grew my practice from from home and I understood that so that was the basis of the JB JVP model is to ensure that 
the the practitioner who had that relationship still remained in the relationship. Mm. And um, so, you know, today we have a, a 25 to 30% ownership, equity ownership in the, in, in the joint ventures. Mm. And we make sure that we add value to the joint venture, not mm. be a consolidator of the joint venture, unlike mm. old days where they brought no value to the office. Mm. We bring the, the value that we bring is the marketing that we do. So we generate over 3,000 new clients a year for, all, for our offices. And, um, and to make sure that there is a, 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 a win-win for both parties. And whenever there's, the, the win is not both, both ways, then you're going to have a, a, a falling out. Um, mm. So you know, un, unlike the consolidators of the old where they just took and not get gave, mm. Uh, you know, we our model is to to give uh, back in the in the form of marketing and and the things that they weren't good at. So an accountant's very good at you know the tax work, of course, the accounting work, and they've got a very unique relationship with the client. So that's what they contribute. And then what they can't do very well is the marketing and the and all all, all that stuff. So we we do the marketing and we bring the leads to them. So Instead of the model, uh, like the traditional model is, you know, you, 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 is the, you, you invite a finder in, uh, a finder is in finder, minder and grinder. Mm. Invite a finder. And this, as, as an aside, this is Ed's sort of three-quadrant uh, model for an accounting practice. But the finder being someone who goes and, you, you know, is the BD in perhaps other industry speak, the one that goes and finds the work. Yes, the the the, the sales. Um, yeah, it's the sales. The the he generates leads, and he, he he's a finder. You know, he's he, and and generally the the traditional model in the county firm, uh, the the way they grow is that that they invite partners in who are finders. Now, if you're a minder, they won't invite you in, and if you're a grinder, they won't invite you uh, in. Yeah. Part. So their growth model is adding new partners who are finders mm. and I call that model catching butterflies with a butterfly net mm. and the problem with that model of course is that you know when you take that butterfly catcher out of there that's the end of your growth mm. and it just doesn't work uh, long term so it's much better to create a garden that attracts butterflies to you and, uh, and the problem with creating that garden, as you know, uh, Joanna, it costs a lot of money. It does. takes it, time, effort. <laughs> long runway and it needs particular expertise like yours. Yeah. And, and as accountancy firms don't have that. And, yeah. And, but if you bring in complementary skills, working together, you get this synergy where one plus one becomes five. So I, I bring in the finding aspect of it, the garden that attracts butterflies, and you know they bring in their side of it, which is the relationship with the clients, the the meetings they have, the strategy, the tax, you know, all that. They bring that into the relationship, and I bring in the, the marketing, the brand. The brand's very strong in the marketplace, and uh, and and you know, so therefore we bring complementary skills mm. to the so it, it works when you bring complementary skills. And so, you know, implicit in that, I, I guess, is the point that you um, you identified what it was that you had a value that perhaps was a little bit different in the industry and harder for other 
people in the industry to access themselves if they weren't naturally the finders. Yeah. Um, so, and, and so I guess extrapolating that across um, other industries outside of accounting practices, that it, it, it is about perhaps finding your strength and finding where's the pool of people who have this value that's being limited by the fact that they don't have this strength and then using that together to create something, you know, synergistic. Mm, I guess. <laughs> well, if you're if you're a finder and you're entrepreneurial, you, you you you'd be growing the firm yourself, and you wouldn't have a need to join. Yeah. Because you know that the aspect of the business that's important, which is the ability to grow the business, you've got. You know, you 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 bring that to the table, and and therefore you won't need someone like us. So, so the entrepreneurial sort of accountants will never join the channel. Mm. The intrapreneurial accountants will join Channel because the intrapreneurial accountants are sufficiently entrepreneurial to want to work for themselves, but they also need to work in a team. Mm. They know their limitation; they can't they can't do everything, and they know what they're good at and what they're bad at, and um, and they 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 can see the value that we bring to to them. And uh, they understand that, you know, the, the synergy of uh, complementary skills and mm. how we grow the business. And, and I guess interesting, it's just occurring to me that you've, um, so, so you, you've got this model to, um, to partner and to JV with the intrapreneurial, but then um, you also have a model to work with the entrepreneurial who need a bit more of the intrapreneurial through WISE mentoring, I, I guess. Is that right? Absolutely, because often the entrepreneurial accountant knows, um, you know, they 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 can attract new clients and so forth, but they don't know how to run the business. Mm. And often they get a lot of churn from the clients, and mm. um, and so you know, I put Wise together uh, with all the tools and the systems and the processes to run the back office, and that's where most entrepreneurial accountants have trouble in is in the back office. So, um, so by joining up with Wise, they get access to all of that, which is, you know, how we grew Chananella to the size it, it, it was, it is. Mm. And you can't do that unless you have your back office working well and, you know, all the systems and the, and the foundation, if you like, if you, have a, if you have a solid foundation underneath it all, you can, you can put a second and a third story onto it. But if you don't have a foundation, you can't even put, you know, you, you can't even have a first story onto it because it'll collapse. And and often uh, entrepreneurial firms who are really good at bringing new work in have trouble on in that in that foundational piece. Mm. I love it, Ed. You are a very, very clever man. You've got the entrepreneurs covered. You've got the entrepreneurs covered. I mean, what's left? It's all done. <laughs> and that leads me to my very last question. What is the end game for a man who feels like he must be living <laughs> his dream business at the moment? What's the end game for you, Ed Chan? Oh well, um, I, I, I've um, I've never wanted to, um, you know, be an empire builder. I've never, never mm. thought of wanted that. I, I've always ever wanted just to be financially independent, and I achieved that a long time ago. And um, and it's just. Um, you know, everything I do now is, is, is to give back and to help. Mm. And um, I really sense that in you, Ed. I, I do, absolutely. I, I sense that in you, yeah. 
in, in with uh, wise mentoring, it's 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 it's, it's when I started, um, you know, when Chan and I was going very well, and I had time on my hands, and firms would ask me to help them, and you know, I started helping them and coaching them, and that's how Jamie Johns came along, and mm. um, and then you know, Jamie said, um, "Wow, this is really good, and you know, you, you should get this out to you know other accounting firms." And I was I was giving back by coaching one on one, but I, I realised that you know you can only you, you can't reach too many people yeah. by one on one coaching. Yeah, you so, don't have the leverage. Yeah, mm, so the, you fixed it. <laughs> I did that with uh, Jamie and uh, put it all online. So you know we've got over a hundred members now, and it's growing. Wow. Good work. Two a day showing interest, um, and um, you know we've got. Uh, a few from America and uh, one from South South um, Korea. Wow! So international as well, so um, it's uh, very exciting. And um, yeah, I guess it will just uh, we'll just wait and see. But you know, I I I, I reached um, you know my first goal a long long time ago, and the rest now is you know if I can help help others um, do what I've done, then that's a, that's a real plus. And why, why in accounting? It's um, it's because accountants have such a huge um, position in the marketplace in terms yeah. of contribute. Mm. And they can run their business as well, and you know they've got such an influence on you know uh, small businesses out there, and small businesses are the you know the engine room of employment. Absolutely, yeah. They can help their clients run their businesses uh, because the stuff we do in WISE, uh, it, it can be used across all, all businesses. I mean, I, I often say that uh, what we do may be different. You know, uh, what the industry is to what we do is, mm. is but uh, businesses are run, the, are run the same way. So how we do it is exactly the same. And if you, if you don't change how you do it, but you change what you do, and often small businesses do that. You know, they think it's greener on the other side and they, mm. they do without changing how they do it. Mm. If they did that, then they'll replicate what they created in the, in the, in the first business, in the second business, mm. and then they'll look to change again. And that's what happened to me. You know, I, I, in the early days when I, when I was working over 100 hours a week um, in accounting and I wanted to get out and, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, I, you know, I got into the wrong industry, and and I wrote and I read the book The Myth, and you know that changed my 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 whole outlook on it. And then um, Napoleon Hill wrote a book called uh, uh, Think uh, How to Think, Think and Grow Rich, and he yep. said the gold is in your own backyard. Mm. Just look for it, and um, and that uh, that that was like a light came on for me. Mm. Mm. So that then I looked for how to do it, not what to do, and mm. stayed in the business. And uh, I just changed how I did it. And when I changed how I did it, my whole life changed. And here I am today, continuing to, to teach people how to do it. Mm. And, and having fun and having time to turn a 10 minute coffee into a four and a half hour lunch. And <laughs> Chan, you are an inspiration as well as very generous with your time and your ideas. It's um you uh, it's just like I get the feeling whenever I'm around you, you just want to, it's like look 
you know, look how much fun I've had building this business. Now I just want to impart these ideas on the other people so you can have fun too. That's that's the feeling I get. It's just like you just want to impart this information and all of these tips on, uh, you know, on, on all business owners that uh, you come across. So um, go on, give us a plug. How do we find Wise, Ed? Okay, well, it's uh, Wise Mentoring with a Z, not, a, not an S. <laughs> and um, we're, you can, you know, Google it, Google us and uh, you can find our website. And, um, and you know, there's a seven-day trial, so it's free for seven days. Just go in and have a look at it and trial it out. There's lots of videos. Uh, most of it is, is, a lot of it is, is the education <clears throat> because if I can... Uh, you know, there's a saying that the, the personality of your practice is a reflection of your personality, of the owner, mm. and unless I can change the owner, you won't be able to change the business. Mm. And, uh, and the way that you think will shape the kind of decisions you make and the decisions you make will shape the, the actions that you take and the actions that you take will shape your destination. And uh, so, therefore, if I can change the way you think, Hopefully, I can change your destination. And in there, there's a lot of educational material. And uh, and I often say that the best return on investment is the investment in yourself because mm. once you've learned it, you can use it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And, um, and so, therefore, a lot of the 150 tools that are sitting in Wise Vault uh, is educational-based. So there's videos and spreadsheets and you know all sorts of things in there to run the county practice so go in there give it a go there's even a free book that i've written an ebook um you know it's free go in there and download it for yourself and have a look at it and um you know um, there's no obligation and if it's not for you then you know the, the free trial runs out after seven days and doesn't cost you a cent Brilliant. I absolutely love it. Well, very wise words from a wise man. <laughs> very appropriately entitled Wise Mentoring, but remember with a Z, not an S. <laughs> Ed Chan, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I've loved it. I hope you had fun. You always seem like you're having fun, though. <laughs> Most of it's because of you, Joan. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, well, look, I just want to say a massive thank you and um, I think this has been a great episode. I'll be definitely going back and listening to it again. <laughs> thanks for having me, Joan. Thank and thanks you, for making it so much fun. Well, that's it for this two-part series all about joint ventures and how joint ventures are different to mergers and acquisitions. We've covered a lot in this two-part series. And whilst, of course, it's particularly relevant to anyone who is building an accounting practice, it's also extremely relevant, I think, to anyone who's building a business at all and who might be looking at ways to grow a business other than strictly through organic growth. If you'd like more information about this topic or you'd like to get in contact with Ed Chan either at Chan and Naylor or at Wise Mentoring, then all you need to do is head over to your show notes or over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com. There you'll be able to link through to Chan and Naylor and you'll also be able to link through 
to Wise Mentoring. And I know Ed has some fabulous Friday tips that he sends out from Wise Mentoring. You can easily set yourself up on that Wise Mentoring site. And I tell you what, the Friday tips are extremely insightful. So I highly recommend no matter what business you're in that you subscribe yourself to these Friday tips to get a bit of gold in your inbox every Friday morning. And of course, on our website, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services that help businesses both prepare for a sale or acquisition and help them to get transaction ready and to also guide them through the sale or acquisition process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book a free appointment through our website if you'd like to find out how we might be able to assist. Well, that's it for today and for this two-part series. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and if you did, why don't you go and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player as well as, of course, hitting subscribe if you haven't already. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.